Welcome everyone to the R&M A Conversation on Cinema podcast, where you get different perspectives from two film fanatics separated by Portuguese and British borders, but united by their love for cinema. Now it's time to join Reese and Manuel as they talk about the films they've recently seen, the films they anticipate and the latest film industry news. Over to you guys. Welcome, if it's your first time listening to the R&M A Conversation on Cinema podcast with myself, Reese, and my co-host Manuel. Today we're going to be talking about two films, one film that I see, one film that I saw that Manuel didn't see, and one film that Manuel saw that I didn't see. So Manuel's going to start us off and he's going to give us a little bit of a rundown about Wes Anderson's latest film, Asteroid City, which had its premiere a couple of months ago. At, was it Cannes? I believe it had its, its premiere. So it had its premiere at Cannes and it's the follow-up from the French Dispatch, which came out 2021, 2022. And I'm intrigued by it. The trailer has intrigued me a lot, but let me know what your thoughts and feelings are regarding the latest Wes Anderson flick. Yes. So it, you're right. It premiered in Cannes. And this is the latest Wes Anderson film after the French Dispatch, which I wasn't the biggest fan on, but I am a fan of uh, the director. Um, I still think the Grand Budapest Hotel is the at least when it comes to the recent ones, maybe my favorite, but I was excited for this one. I mean, how can you not be not only it's a Wes Anderson film, you have one of the most stacked casts, I don't know, ever. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Every time that I see a new name come up on the infinite list of actors that appear in this film, every single one of them could be, or was in the past, a lead to any film. But it's great, you know, I, I think that's def definitely one of the biggest compliments I have to the film, which is you have this mixed experience on a cast, very young actors upcoming from, you know, even TV shows like uh, Maya Hawk from Stranger Things um, and a, a few others also from Stranger Things, uh, now that I'm thinking, and it, chapter one and chapter one and two. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed this film, although... I know it was mixed, it got a mixed reception in Cannes. Some people weren't that big of a fan of Wes Anderson, uh, of this Wes Anderson film. But from my point of view, it's an unexpectedly technical achievement, as you might expect. I mean, you're going to see this movie getting a bunch of nominations for production design and costume design and a bunch of that, those things. I strongly believe it's a, Masterclass on framing and production design, especially. I mean, just from looking at the trailer, you realize the type of film that you're going to see. It's impressive. I'm always impressed at the visuals that, that Wes Anderson can, can input in these films. The issue is always with the stoic kind of emotional, emotionalist performances and storytelling that it doesn't always work, at least for me. And I feel like that was the main issue with a lot of people in this film. But that was something that it didn't affect me as much as it did in fr the French Dispatch. In the French Dispatch, I was a lot more disengaged with the narrative, I would say. With this one, I think it was, I don't know if it was the more humorous uh, dialogue or the more straightforward story that helped me. But I, I thought it was just fun. Uh, it didn't blow me away I, as I expected. I didn't thought it, it was going to blow me away or impress me that much. But I, I think it's a, a good attempt from the director, having in mind his most recent films. I, I think it stands on the positive side. 
I would have loved maybe a more cohesive plot. I think there's a lot of randomness across the film. It's not very long. It's like a hour and 45, maybe. I didn't feel it was long. I think it was as long as it needed to be. But there's a few scenes that come a bit, I don't want to say out of nowhere, but you have a lot of different characters, a lot of different storylines. You even have a story within the story, kind of at least. And it doesn't always mesh all together very well. But overall, I think it's a strong effort. I enjoyed it. If if you're a Wes Anderson fan, I don't think you can not enjoy this film. I think it just it doesn't do anything that it's completely different to what he has done before. It doesn't. You're not lied to in that in that regard. But yeah, from a technical standpoint, all compliments. I really love the score. The score was really cool. Uh, the performances were great, or at least they were as the director intended. But the stoicness, if that's a word, and the emotionalness of the whole thing might detract some viewers from it. You talk about the performances and you talk about the stacked cast, and it does have a stacked cast, as pretty much every Wes Anderson film does. Who do you think gave the best performance out of the cast? I'm actually looking at the list right now because there are so many, it's hard to kind of um, <laughs> select a standout. I well, really that probably tells yeah, us yeah. the story then that there's not a standout performer yeah i don't think i mean clearly you have some sort of you know brian cranston is almost like the narrator so you can't really call him the protagonist but mm-hmm. then you might have jason schwartzman and scarlett johansson as maybe the two that might have more screen time at least but you don't really have a protagonist just one guy or, or one actor one actress I think the most compelling storyline might be related to Jason Schwartzman's character. I don't know if in the trailer they say what it is, so I'm not going to spoil anything. But it's also, since everything is emotionless, and his storyline and the thing that he has to deal with is very emotional at his core, it's a bit difficult to kind of connect with his struggle without when he's acting in a very stoic manner. But out of the performances, I loved Maya Hawke, to me, was probably my personal standout. She has a reasonable amount of screen time, and she's, I think she gets a better balance of the whole, okay, I I can't be too emotional or too expressive, I think that's the right word here, but I can't also just be like a robot. And she manages to get just the right balance, Steve Carell as well, I think, but they're both portraying two characters that you can see that they're more light. You know, they have more humor in their in their uh, short, very individual, separated storylines. But yeah, I mean, you kind of have groups of characters, like three or four characters are in this space, the other three or four characters are on that space, and it never quite meshes all together. And I think that lack of a cohesive plot, there's, I can't say there's a main plot, you know, they're just there. They stuff happens, random stuff happens in each space, and you kind of go with it. It might be fun if you don't go in expecting a full story, I guess. But I understand some of the complaints that people had from Cannes that they maybe expected some a bit more. I don't know. I haven't seen the film yet, but from the reactions and from what you've just said, it sounds like a stereotypical Wes Anderson picture. It is. It is. Which for me, when you come to dissecting movies and the way you look at movies as a whole you have to take the director's work into account and i it's one of those ones we were talking the other week about if you don't like this particular movie 
why are you reviewing it? And I feel like if you don't like any of Wes Anderson's films, yeah, then you're not going to like this one. And if you're a fan of all of his films, like I am, the only one I don't really like is The Darjean Limited, which is one of his first films, which is very high on a lot of other people's rankings. But for something for me, just didn't click with that film. But I find his humor is very on the nose, the same all the time. So if you're not into his humor and the kind of slapstick comedy type of yeah. vibe, then it's not going to be for you. One thing I want to touch on because I seen it being spoke about on Twitter is the color palette and the color grading of the film. It has a very pastel look and it looks a little bit kind of washed out. What did you overall think of the color scheme? Because I know the framing is going to be excellent. I know the cinematography is going to be excellent. I know production design is going to be excellent. That is a staple of Wes Anderson films. And that's why you can look at a Wes Anderson film and know it's his immediately. Obviously, you've got that stupid, shitty AI stuff when they're doing Wes Anderson AI of every film and it's just an actor standing in the middle of the screen looking a little bit quirky, which is just not... That is a very based idea of what Wes Anderson is. But I want to know what your thoughts are in regards to the color grading and the kind of overall aesthetic look of the film outside of the kind of production design and, and the framing and stuff. Yeah, I was actually... Did you saw some negative reactions about it? Was it? Was it? I think actually... Yeah, I did. Yeah. I don't know about Probably not as big as it seems, but sometimes you see something that's got a couple of thousand likes and maybe you think it's a little bit bigger than yeah, it is. Okay. But I've seen people talking about it looking like an old school, washed out kind of film. But I think for the vibe it was probably trying to go for. And again, it's a typical Wes Anderson looking film. And maybe the colors are slightly a little bit different, but we know he likes to have those kind of pastel colors. You just look at the opening frame of the Grand Budapest Hotel with the pinks and the blues and then all the stuff in the delivery truck and everything i yeah, think yeah. i'm gonna really dig the film personally i'm a big fan of wes anderson but i can understand why people don't like him but i feel like at this point in time you're going into a wes anderson film knowing what you're going to get and if you think you're going to get anything different then you haven't been watching his last 10 films because stylistically artistically narratively and obviously they have different stories but they all have this kind of a story within a story within a story working themselves out to really not tell much of a story in the end. There's obviously an overbearing story there, but it's not a kind of beginning, middle and end, a twist here, plot points kind of getting from A to Z. It's kind of going off track all the time. And that's personally why I love his films. I love the fact they're not basic standard structured. I like the fact that they're quirky. I like the fact that they're different. And I like the fact that he sticks to what he does and he's not changing for no one. And who knows, in the future, he may potentially do something completely left-field. And look, I'll be watching that as well. Again, I'm a big fan of his work. To pick it up on the color palette, I thought if you've seen the trailer, it's exactly, it's like Grand Budapest Hotel. You wouldn't complain about the fact that it's all pink or something. It's just a color palette. I feel like... Yeah. It's, you wouldn't say that in Grand Budapest Hotel that the colors somehow don't fit the film or for some reason. It's the same thing here. You know, the whole, the whole story, uh, is told they're all in the desert, you know, and they, um, they, there's an event, uh, astronom astronomical event, um, happening in that week and they're all there. And so it's very, like you said, it's a very pastel like kind of, aesthetic but i loved it i thought it looked 
great. I, I, there are a lot of moments where I kept, I couldn't take my eyes off screen just because it's all very impressive. And it's like you said, from the framing, cinematography and all that, that's going to get a bunch of nominations. Yeah. But I, I didn't, I didn't see any problem with the aesthetic at all. And it's like you said, if, if people don't like Wes Anderson, it's not this movie that's going to convince them. It's the same thing. I don't want to say it's the same thing. I, I saw some takes in the past about, oh, Wes Anderson's films are the nothing happens kind of story. I think it's, that's a, an, ex, a, an exaggeration. It's not like nothing happens. It's just not linear storytelling. Yeah. He has a very distinctive style and just like other filmmaker with a distinctive style, you're going to have, you know, either a very niche, uh, fandom and you're going to have a lot of people who just don't understand why people love him so much. And that's normal when, when you have a, a filmmaker with such a special style that you can literally from one single shot, one single frame identify. Yep. That's a Wes Anderson film. And that's. Honestly, great. I feel like that's what a lot of filmmakers strive to try to achieve a yeah, style that 100%. makes people go, Oh, yeah, that's, that's that guy. That's that woman. And I think that that's why I keep coming back to him. Even if I don't love his latest projects, you know, the French dispatch, I wasn't a fan on it, but as soon as I knew he was making Asteroid City, it immediately became one of my most anticipated films of the year because I, I really love his, his work and it's always so different. I know that I'm not going to watch a film that I'm, it's going to make me think the exact same thing that I do with other 50 films in the year that are incredibly generic. It's special. It's unique. And even if I'm, I don't exactly love this one, I still, it's a really decent effort from him. Yeah. Whereabouts do you reckon this one lands on his ranking? If you've seen all his films, I, I haven't seen all his films. I still prefer Grand Budapest Hotel, um, but I need I need to check the filmography to check which ones came out actually. But to, uh, what's your favorite? While I check the list, Rushmore is my favorite. Rushmore is my favorite. I like Grand Budapest Hotel. I like Isle of Dogs. I like uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox. Uh, I'm a big fan of his animated work, actually. I think the animated, his style in animation, especially the stop mo uh, stop motion animation, stop motion, yeah. is fair is fairly perfect in, in my opinion. I feel like the slapstick comedy and the tone of his scripts fits ideal for animation. And the animation, characters yeah. are so quirky, they're so out there, they're so different, and it's it's on purpose. And I can understand why people wouldn't like his films. He's not one of them filmmakers I look at and I'm like, how can you not like his stuff, man? <laughs> because there's definitely, there's definitely a niche type of film. And look, I don't love all his films. There are some that I like more than others. And again, there's definitely positives and negatives that come with that for sure. I would say that um, I would prefer this one to for the French Dispatch and maybe as much as Isle of Dogs. Uh, but the Grand Budapest Hotel is still my favorite from the recent ones. Um, yeah. and yeah, the other ones I would have to maybe to rewatch, but from the recent ones, I would put it on par with the Isle of Dogs. I really like the Isle of Dogs too. And I, it's like you said, I, I agree that his style and the whole deadpan humor and dialogue fits more animation because you don't get, I think in animation, you can kind of hide, maybe quote unquote, the, Cringy aspect that sometimes maybe some performances might get to at least some viewers or some viewers might find it a bit off when it's live action. 
But yeah, that's one of the main things that I also liked a lot about um, Asteroid City. The dialogues are long and you have like this very like a minute or two minute long in uninterrupted dialogues or monologues more, more, more in this case, you know, and you have incredible actors, Brian Cranston, Jeffrey Wright, Jason Schwartzman, Scarlett Johansson, all of them are just doing these very long monologues. Yeah. It's so good. Quick fire dialogue. Really, really great. Uh, so yeah, if you're a Wenderson fan, I recommend it. If you're not, this one isn't going to convert you. Yeah. I've got a question for the listeners then. Hit me up on Twitter at Rio's Positive POV and let me know what your favorite Wes Anderson film is. I'm intrigued to see what people think his best film is because I feel like it's going to be a varied answer. But I also do feel like Grand Budapest Hotel is the one that people look at the, the most as is his favorite from what I've seen online anyway. The film that I, I, Jesus, I can't get my words out today. It's hot in England, people. It is hot. Sweating and can't think. But the film I saw was Transformers Rise of the Beast. Big, big Ooh. fan of the tran no big big fan of the Transformer series. Dumb fun. This one is very sim this one's kind of a mix of Bumblebee and the Michael Bay Transformer films. It kind of meshes the two, sometimes to good and sometimes to bad. Again, the human characters in this one are portrayed really well. Anthony Ramos and Dominique Fishburne are brilliant in the film, the two main human characters. But honestly, man, it's just these films are at their best when Optimus Prime, Bumblebee and the gang are just kicking the shit out of evil robots. And that is when the film excels. The last half an hour is epic. It has some dodgy CGI scattered throughout the film. It has some high school, even before that type of humor, which, again, it's it's aimed at a kid stroke teenage audience, you could say, the Transformer films. I've been watching these for years. Big, big fan. But... um. Yeah, I don't have too much to say about Transformers Rise of the Beast because, if again, like we were just talking about Wes Anderson, if you like the Transformer films, you're probably going to like Rise of the Beast. It ranks probably in the middle of the bunch for me. It's not as good as Bumblebee. It's nowhere near as good as Bumblebee. Bumblebee is still way clear for me as the best Transformers film. And then I'd have the original Transformers, which I thought was really funny and unique at the time. And then the others just kind of mesh into another. I couldn't tell you what happens in those compared to the other ones. Again, when it's big robots kicking the shit out of other big robots, it's fun, enjoyable time at the cinema. It's a cinema flick. It's one of those kind of ones. Not one I'm going to rush to ever watch again, but yeah, a fun, fun time. Do you have any, any questions? Any Transformers you don't like? Are there any Transformers or the films? Uh, films, films, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, yeah, to be fair, most of them ain't that great. Most of them ain't that great. There's none I hate, but they're all kind of two Dumb. and a half, three right. stars, three and a half stars. It's kind of where they are between two and a half and three and a half stars. Bumblebee, I think I gave a four or four and a half. And then the original Transformers, I think like a four. But my letterbox scale where I rank these movies, is it's weird because if I'm writing a review, I never give my rating until after I've wrote the review because I feel like once I've dissected the film, my opinion changes, things come to the forefront. 
things that I didn't think were problems turn into a problem. Yeah, I'm the same. But when yeah. I'm when I'm not writing a review or filming a YouTube video for it, I'll just automatically slap it up on Letterbox, and I don't have too much thinking about it. It's not gospel, which is kind of what I thought at the time. And I've gone onto my Letterbox the other week, and I changed so many ratings because I must have been high when I rated some of them films. <laughs> uh, I was scoring this one uh, from because from my uh, I remember when I watched Transformers when it premiered also when I was younger and the score was always always a standout yeah, from the everyone. score was good the score the score was really good the music the um, soundtrack was brilliant it's set in the nineties this one so there was a lot of set in the nineties predominantly in New York well when it's not away from America it's set in New York there's a lot of Biggie. Uh, a lot of a lot of Wu Tang Clang. There's a lot of old school '90s hip hop, which for me as a big hip hop fan was was a pleasure to hear. Um, but yeah, the, the score was really good. But there was nothing. The score I didn't come out of there and think, "Oh my god, that was one of the best scores I've ever heard." It was decent for the film, but there was nothing there that kind of you know when you come out of a film and you're like, "Yo, that score was thumping. That score was sick." With this one, I came out and it was just an enjoyable. Everyone came out and everyone seemed to have had a good fun time, apart from the couple of people who told me beforehand that they weren't fan of the series anyway. So it's like you're not going to like it, which is fine by all means. That's it. I don't, I'm really was it Michael Bay who directed this one? No, no, this anyway. one was directed by Stephen Capel Jr. and let me just get up what he's directed before because the name yeah, rings a bell. Doesn't, uh, ring um, he is the man who directed Creed 2. Oh, okay. Yeah, he directed Creed 2 and he directed a film called The Land. And supposedly he may be hmm, potentially another Transformers film is in the works, but I, I, I don't enough. know. But for people that are not aware, this Transformers film is set after Bumblebee and is set before the original Transformers film with Shia LaBeouf and Megan Fox. And it features basically the plot is kind of Omnicron, which is a planet eating electronic being is basically on the search for this item which was on one world which was taken to earth by these transformers that are actually in the shapes of animals the beasts as you can call them and yeah it's again the the plot is very thin as most of these films are there's nothing really there any different to the previous films i just feel like the acting was really good and the action was was good as well some really cool scenes with anthony ramos when it is it ramos or ramos 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 should be Ramos. He, Ramos, it is Ramos, right? <laughs> so when Anthony Ramos comes out of the the Transformer, which Mirage, who's played by Pete Davidson, one of Pete Davidson's best roles. Uh, Mirage is probably my second favorite Transformer in the film. Aside from Bumblebee, man, Bumblebee's brilliant. The fact that no one voices Bumblebee and they just use um, sound clips from films and songs is just so on point. And some great comedy laughs from that. I feel like Bumblebee's always been my favorite transformer character probably because he's been in the forefront of all the films right when um sam wick wick wiki whatever his name was uh he had bumblebee and then Haley steinfeld's character as well obviously optimus prime autobots roll out like that's he's a g like peter cullen what a voice but bumblebee for me is probably my favorite character in the whole series 
So I think that does it for this episode. Next week, we're going to be talking the long anticipated, the movie which people have been dubbing the best DC movie since the Dark Knight, the Ezra Miller. Yeah, the Ezra Miller led film, which I'm still surprised that he, they went through with the film in the end. Um, I'm not going to get into too much of that stuff because I don't know the ins and outs, but I'm, I'm very surprised that they'll continue with Ezra Miller, Ezra Miller as the Flash moving forward. I'm intrigued. Did you, so just to give a little hint to the listeners, Manuel has actually seen the film, but because I'm watching it in a couple of days, we decided to talk about it next week after it comes out. Did you see the full finished version with the post credit scene or yeah. did you see the uncut, the previous version? No, the finished version. Yeah. All right, cool. Because they, also they let me uh, answer ask some of you. the questions that I have. Yeah, I'm not yeah. going to say anything. So I got invited to a screening, which was an unfinished version that you couldn't use for a review. And I was like, why? why? Too, yeah. What's the point? Uh, I'm quite baffled by that. But I'm going to go see The Flash. I'm intrigued by it. I have an people, answer to that question next week. <laughs> people I know that have seen it um, have said it's good. I, I think there's very much hyperbole reactions anytime a film comes out. And it's crazy because this film was getting crazy reactions before I felt anyone had seen it. There's a weird kind of marketing been going on in this film and I'm, I'm, I'm baffled by it. But I hope it's good. I really hope it's good. The last... I think it's the last DC film before James Gunn takes over uh, um, not, officially. Well, not, oh no, sorry, Aquaman. Aquaman is, is still yeah, and Blue Beetle as Aquaman, well, which is the one Blue... where people don't really know if it's the first of DCU. Uh, yeah, well, so time will tell. Same, time James, will tell. James Gunn said that the first official one would time be the Superman's tell. legacy. Yeah, but the but we still have Aquaman two and Blue yeah. Beetle. So we'll be talking about The Flash next week, and we'll also be discussing Extraction 2, the Chris Hemsworth-led action movie, which I'm pretty sure he died at the end of the first one. Spoiler alert. If he didn't, if he didn't I'm, I'm very... I won't judge this movie on it, but the first one maybe definitely... Pre- <laughs> yeah, maybe it's a prequel. The actions, I didn't... I wasn't the biggest fan of Extraction. I thought it was a very generic action movie, but the action scenes and some of the stunts in that film were phenomenal. So I'm looking forward to this one to see the stunts, to um, see if it's an improvement from the original film. Before we go, I just want to highlight a new Netflix program, which I watched over the weekend called Bloodhounds. It is a South Korean action stroke drama program eight episodes it's basically about these two amateur boxers who get caught up with a bunch of loan sharks and it's got some really good fight scenes in it really good boxing kung fu um weapon scenes it's not the the best program you're ever going to see but it's a really good action action series and if you're into that kind of martial arts type of films and TV programs, then I definitely think this is right up your street. And again, the South Koreans, mate, they are coming out with fire constantly. So big up the South Koreans inside the place. With that, that is the end of the episode. Thank you for listening. Good night. God bless.